This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. And welcome into our Week 13 edition of NFL Friday. I'm Kelly Coltis. He's Drew Casey. And Drew, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, a day late. I don't know if a happy Black Friday has become a holiday yet, but that's another story. Uh, yesterday was was unbelievable. Great day of friends, family, football, and food. I, was I guess say all of the all the not, not, not necessarily in that order, but a nice alliteration to start this football NFL Friday. I've got to stick with all the words that start with the letter F today. I'm gonna try, but it's. It's already, it's already over. So. All right. Well, obviously, as Drew mentioned, football took the stage. Three really good games, I have to say, considering, you know, years past, I remember watching the games, watching Detroit get blown out or Dallas blow out somebody, and then they didn't have the late-night game early on. But this year, three really interesting games. We had Detroit, uh, Chicago at Detroit to open up the game, and Chicago jumped out to that early 14-point lead, and I was like, all right, you know, two touchdowns, back-to-back, look at you, Jay Cutler, getting back into it, and then... They kind of fell apart as the score ended up, 34-17 Detroit. Yeah, well, well, something about both those teams that just entering the game that just was very interesting to me, both teams have such explosive offenses, but they just they haven't really found a way to score this entire season. And you go and see the Bears score 14 points, and you're like, okay, finally, Jay Cutler can actually, you know, he actually is going to utilize his star receivers in Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. Um and you go up 14 nothing on the Detroit Lions in Detroit, and you're like, oh, boy, this could just be just like the Thanksgivings of, of the past for mm-hmm. the Detroit Lions. Historically, at least recently, not very good. Lost uh, a- a- Before last year, they'd lost nine straight games on Thanksgiving. And then last year, of course, they won 40-10 to over Green Bay. So they came back, and now they've won two in a row. Also interesting, Detroit having two games in, or the, the stadium at least, two games in four days. So another interesting storyline there. But Detroit coming back and Calvin Johnson really started to break out. It's about time. It absolutely is. I mean, you saw him really at full health, I want to say, for the first time this season. And, I mean, just the fact that him and Stafford get back on the same page. I mean, Chicago, the Bears' defense has been pretty solid overall. Their secondary, except for the last couple of weeks when they face these tremendous quarterbacks and they've been putting up 50-something points on them, they've stood up pretty well. But Calvin Johnson, once again, just kind of dominated them and really just proved as to why he's the top receiver in the league. Yeah, he had 11 catches, and I think he had 16 tar- 15 or 16 targets in the game. So Matt Stafford was looking his way. He knew he was healthy. Johnson, two touchdowns. That first touchdown uh, that he was able to grab in the sec- early second quarter, I believe it was, uh, broke the 25 consecutive drives for the Lions without scoring a touchdown, which is just, for Matt Stafford, I mean, he's my fantasy quarterback. We'll talk about that <laughs> later, which I just don't understand how Matt Stafford, with the arm he has and, and the numbers he put up last year, how the Detroit Lions can go 25 consecutive drives without a touchdown. Luckily for them yesterday, though, that was their first of the game, and then they got uh, all the way up to 34-17 for the win. So they uh, maybe they found something here. Still uh, some time to go for them, and maybe they can make a playoff run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the first of the two meetings between these teams this season. So, I mean, you look at it going forward, too, for the Lions. I think that this shows that they can maybe pull things together. I mean, the NFC is a little crowded playoff picture right now, and obviously in their division alone they have to you know, deal with Green Bay. I don't think that anyone's catching Green Bay. We'll get to them in a little bit. But at the same time, as you know, they've proven now that they can be you know, a contender. They've proven they've had the weapons, that kind of thing. So I think that's a good, good showing for Detroit. Yeah, definitely for sure because Detroit, like you said, they're, they're a little bit of backlog in the in the NFC. Not as bad as the AFC. 
looks like Green Bay, like you said, is probably going to win the NFC division just based on how well they're playing rec- uh, lately. They're only a half game up on Detroit now, but of course Green Bay plays on Sunday, so if they can win that game, uh, they will be a full game ahead, or if they lo- lose, they'll be tied. But you're looking at Detroit dealing with other teams like Seattle and Dallas, and I think Detroit is, um, they just seem to be, they once they click Detroit, they really haven't clicked all season. Like the Calvin Johnson is really the engine that makes them go. And I think Matt they Stafford to, can find him. If they get Reggie Bush back, too, obviously he didn't play yesterday, so we'll see if that can add to their running game. And, you know, looking on some of the other games we saw yesterday, Drew, my favorite game, the most exciting game I had to watch, was the Eagles at the Cowboys. That game did not go exactly how I expected it. I thought it would be a lot closer, a lot down-to-the-wire game, you know, coming down to the final minutes. The Eagles just dominated that game. Yeah, that was... That was surprising. I mean, Mark Sanchez, his numbers don't really speak volumes of how well he played. He was only 20 for, well, he was 20 for 29, but only for 217 yards and a lone touchdown. But like you said, Philadelphia just dominated Dallas in their building. Dallas just doesn't seem like they can play at uh, Cowboy Stadium uh, down their palace, if you will. <laughs> uh, I believe they're 3-4. and four. Yeah, 3-4 and four at in their home building. And on Thanksgiving, no less, Tony Romo was, oh, awful. I think the funniest part about this was, too, is the announcers, uh, it was Joe Buck yesterday and Trey Aikman going on about how Dallas is one of the best offensive lines all year and Romo hasn't faced a ton of pressure. And right after they said that, it seemed like the Eagles just came, I don't know if they blitzed more, if they used new defensive schemes, but they just seemed to have Romo on his back the entire second half, and that completely just threw them off their game. Yeah, it, it was... The offensive line for, for the Cowboys, like you said, has been incredible this season, or at least Tony Romo has made them feel incredible with all the gifts he's given them, which has kind of been a side story. But um, it really was the Philadelphia offensive line that dominated the uh, the trenches yesterday. Philadelphia leading the way for LaShawn McCoy to have a huge game. He won the Galloping Gobbler Award uh, also. Well-deserved, too. 25 carries for 159 yards and a touchdown average, 6.4 yards a carry. I mean, and you look at it, too. You know, they were talking about splitting it between him and Darren Sproles and how that was always a big thing. Sproles had one carry yesterday, so I think LaShawn McCoy really proved that. While Darren Sproles also had a decent day out of the backfield receiving, I think McCoy showed why he's the top running back and why he'll stay as the top running back. Well, a few weeks ago he said to the media that um – he was having, you know, he was just, he was asked the question of, are you going to put up the, num-, you know, basically, are you going to eventually wake up and put up the numbers you put up? And he was like, yeah, sure. He puts up the numbers last week, and he puts up the numbers yesterday and on a huge stage in a huge game for his team because going into that game, both uh, Philly or or both teams, uh, Dallas was 8-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Philly, They're both 8-3. Eight eight and and three. Three, yep. Yeah, I can't do math very well. but That's why yeah. we're in the communications business, huge, Drew. Huge game. Uh, for both teams, and and like you said, LaShawn McCoy just dominated the team. He came to play, and again, similar story to if Detroit gets Calvin Johnson going, if Philly finally gets LaShawn McCoy going to the level that he was expected to perform at this year as one of the best players in the league, if not the best running back in the league, uh, Philadelphia could be dangerous down the stretch, for sure. Absolutely, too, and you know, you talk about it, many people were saying that, you know, Foles was supposed to come back around maybe 15, 16, maybe now there's a setback for him, but is it really a concern if Nick Foles is a setback? Because I feel like Mark Sanchez has almost revitalized his career in this Chip Kelly offense, especially with the talented weapons around him and the good play calling. I think that he's done a tremendous job leading this team in this system. 
He definitely has plenty of weapons. Matthews, Macklin, Selleck. Him and Jordan Matthews have uh, a tremendous yeah, rep- uh, rep- reputation there. It um, looks great for them. I mean, they've even got, you know, they've got Zach Ertz as well. He can play at, at the tight end position. And you've got McCoy and Sproles. And then Obviously. Can't all about all them. of those other people. And then you also have Mark Sanchez, by the way, who uh, rushed for a touchdown he, yesterday. <laughs> yes, he did. And that was beyond what anything I was expecting to see. First one, as uh, Tara put in our notes, since the game against the Giants on Christmas Eve 2011, first rushing touchdown for him. Christmas Eve 2011, Jets-Giants. Oh, boy. We're bringing Let's it not back. think back to that <laughs> We're one, bringing please. It back. Well, something else we don't want to think back about, but good for Mark Sanchez, avenging the two years Thanksgivings ago, the inevitable... <sighs> The butt fumble, and I unfortunately was in the stadium for that. So game. was I, Drew. Okay, so we can share ourselves on that. But let's just—he congratulations to him for avenging that. He did it in a very big way yesterday, helping the Eagles win by 23. Absolutely. And finally, another game, another division rivalry game. All three were division rivalry games, but this one was the almost the opposite. Every other games, you know, each team, two, one team on each side put up more than 30 points. You know, Philly put up 33, Detroit put up 34. This game. The combined scores were 22 points. The Seattle beat the Niners 19 to three. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a sleeper. Um, the first quarter, I remember watching. Okay, this is going to be a defensive game. It's kind of what we expected. I didn't expect there to be 22 points on the scoreboard total, especially three for the 49ers, given the game was in San Francisco or, or Santa Barbara, rather, where their their new stadium is located. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I tell you, I was flipping through the channels looking for something else to occupy while San Francisco <laughs> had the ball because Colin Kaepernick is laughing his way to the bank. I mean, oh he, my he goodness. was brutal yesterday. 16 for 29, 121 yards, two interceptions, and zero touchdowns. Yeah, it was um, it was a poor performance, and that's uh, putting it very, very nicely because the 49ers and Seahawks, both teams, I can do math this time, they both came <laughs> in at 7-4, and four, and essentially in a, in a crowded NFC, the loser of the game last night, was most likely going to be out. Um, And if San Francisco lost, I think they were definitely going to be out. And I think they are definitely out because they really haven't looked that good all year. No, they haven't. I mean, San Francisco has been almost on a downturn. I mean, they were perennial, almost people would always pick them to win the Super Bowls in years past. And, you know, you look at some of their games this year, there's not really that impressive win they have. I mean, they beat Washington by four points. They beat, you know, some other teams there. They beat, um, they beat uh, New Orleans in overtime by three points. Beat the Giants by six points. I mean, none of these games stand out to you. Lost to St. Louis by three. Lost to Arizona. None of these games, except for maybe their win over St. Louis back in October when they won 31-17, are really dominating wins that you expect from these top teams. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. And Just look at the Giants game because that was a game I actually was able to see. Five turnovers. They had five turnovers in that game, and they still won. If the Giants, oh, that's a cool if it, if, uh, thing on the was, Giants there. If, yeah, I'm just gonna say if if it if it was probably any other team other than the Jets or the Giants, the 49ers scoring 16 points. I think it was 16. They won 16-10 that game. Uh, only five. You get five turnovers. I don't. I don't understand how you can win that football game. Um, and bottom line, to me and to many people. The, the 49ers just have not looked good the entire season, and it doesn't get easier for them. Absolutely. You know, just looking at Seattle real fast before we move on to games coming up this weekend, you know, they go to Philly next. That's going to be a really interesting game because, you know, you have the high-powered Philadelphia offense, you know, quick tempo, moving the ball, whereas Seattle is the top team and top-rushing offense in the league. They like to grind it out, you know, play solid defense. It's going to be a really interesting matchup as to how 
these two teams pair up. And I think that that's I'm looking forward to that one next week already. Yeah, it, it should. That's going to be a, a crucial game for the for the playoff race, more so for Seattle because they're two games behind the Cardinals uh, in the in the NFC West. The the Eagles right now have a one game lead over the Cowboys. Uh, the Giants and Redskins are way too far behind. So the Eagles really just have to beat out the Cowboys, where the Seahawks have to still contend with the 49ers. Probably will be fine with them, but they might not catch the Cardinals. And then you got the whole wild card situation. We're battling with, looks like, three teams right now, four teams for two spots. So a huge game for Seattle. And they got to travel across the country. That's something that people sometimes bring up, and it's a valid point. But sometimes it kind of just slips through the cracks. You get these good teams. You still got to travel, you know, 2,000, 3,000 miles across the country to play these games. It's not easy. Granted, Seattle gets an extended week. Both teams get an extended week because they play on a Thursday. They'll get 10 days mm-hmm. to rest. So enjoy the day today. Start preparation early. And maybe uh, maybe Seattle will come out here early uh, just to you know get, sort get of adjust and lose, exactly. lose the legs from the flight. Um, again, I know these guys are professional athletes and they're, this is their job and all. But it's still, regardless, you're human beings. It's going to take a toll. It always does on these long, you know, long trips. Let's just look at – I mean, this is a poor example, but – Look at the Oakland Raiders. They just cannot play when they come across the no, country. No, not at all. And I mean, it's very hard, too, when teams go west. I mean, we see all that. And, you know, looking forward now, some of the other games. Coming up this weekend, I think, Drew, some of the real interesting ones, talk about teams traveling, the Patriots have to travel to Green Bay. Yeah, Lambeau Field, that's uh, that's not going to be easy. But they do have Tom Brady. He's uh, he's pretty good. He uh, is, you know, a pretty good quarterback. It seems like we're so far away from those days against Kansas City and everyone was like, Bill Belichick, do you have a quarterback problem? I think we've moved past that by now. I think everyone's put that one in their uh, rearview mirror. Yeah, I think Bill Belichick made uh, made the right call there. My The greatest quote of the week out of the NFL, though, has to come from Bill Belichick, asking uh, some reporters, asking if, there's, if he saw any similarities between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And his remark is, they both wear 12. Like, straight face, <laughs> no laughing That's at all. That's such a Bill Belichick answer. If you, if you get a chance to, to, to look up the, the, the press conference or, or find the clip, his straight face is incredible. I don't even know what the next question is or what the question before that was or if that was the only question, <laughs> but it was just great. And absolutely, too. When you look at the two of them, obviously very different. Brady is a traditional pocket passer. Rodgers does very well in the play action on the move. He's also a great pocket passer as well. I mean, you look at both of their numbers. Brady's thrown for 26 touchdowns this year. Rodgers for 30. I mean, Rodgers has three interceptions on the year. Brady has six. These quarterbacks are tremendous. Both their completion percentages, 65 or over. I mean, you talk about two of the top quarterbacks in the league. These are two. I mean, Peyton Manning's up there as well, but those are definitely the top three in my mind. Let me ask you this. Regardless of what team they were on, who would you rather have? For this weekend's game. Uh, maybe. I say for this weekend's game, I almost want to say Rodgers. If you're talking about going into the playoffs and who I want my quarterback to quarterback the Super like my who I want as my quarterback if my team's going to the Super Bowl, I might have to say Tom Brady just because he's been in there so many times and he's just he just performs so well in the bright lights. But this week in Lambeau, I kind of lean towards Rodgers. Yeah, I, I heard this debate on the radio on the way in on ESPN Radio with Ryan Rucco. And he brought up a very, very good point and that Aaron Rodgers, you, you just mentioned to start uh, his mobility. Tom Brady is not a mobile quarterback. No, not Aaron, at all. Ro- Aaron Rodgers has that extra factor to elude pressure and, uh, you know, fight off a sack and then still find a man or even tuck it and run and maybe get a first down. So I kind of agree with what you said. It's kind of a weird question that I posed, I guess. I like Aaron Rodgers this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. He just seems to, for that, that advantage, but based on the body of work and the history, Tom Brady, I think, would be the quarterback to choose for, um, you know, for your playoff run if you could. If yeah, if you could exactly, and you know, 
just looking at these two before we move on to something else, I mean, Tara put in a really interesting thing in the notes where it says, the Patriots didn't just beat the Broncos and Colts. They dominated them. And those are considered the other top teams in the AFC. So I think it'll be really interesting. A lot of people have pegged this matchup as the Super Bowl matchup because of the fact that one of the top teams in the NFC going, atop, uh, going against the top teams in the AFC. I think it's really interesting to see how they, you know, the two divisions square off here. Yeah, arguably, I mean, based on the standings currently, the Patriots are the best team in the AFC. Look to the NFC. The best team by record is the Arizona Cardinals at 9-2, and two, and the Green Bay Packers are 8-3, and, and the Arizona Cardinals have injury problems and many other ones come, that look like they will they will come to fruition and not be good for them. Anyway, Green Bay 8-3. and three, um, I mean... The Super Bowl, it's hard to it's hard to predict things like that, and it, it sometimes works out that we see the two best teams in the playoffs or, or in the Super Bowl rather mm-hmm. with Brady and Rodgers, the two best quarterbacks. I just have a weird feeling that someone's going to get upset in the playoffs, and it won't be the Super Bowl. But I'm still very excited to see the game on Sunday um, at 4:30. So I really don't know what to expect. It, do either of them win the MVP is one of the questions Tara has for us. Um, I think it depends on how they finish down the stretch. If there's a guy yeah. like Andrew Luck, say, that comes out of nowhere, and right now you know the Colts sit at 7-4, and four, if he leads the team to five straight wins, maybe you give it to a guy like him, that kind of thing. I don't think the race is cut and dry yet, I want to say. Yeah, I think this game is, is huge. The numbers statistically are almost like the same they're almost, oh, yeah, almost exactly identical. the same uh, the, you look at the quarterbacks you look at the team offense the team defense is where it uh, bridges a little bit but even still the team defense is like less than two points different mm-hmm. so it's uh it's just such a close game it's su- it's going to be such a great matchup I, I i'm just really had a loss for words of how to really i just hope it the better team my question is i hope we'll have to pick it later so uh, you know i want to start thinking about that now drew but uh I hope this matchup doesn't let us down like the Patriots-Denver game. We were all very hyped up to see, you know, Manning go into Foxborough, see what they can do there, and then that kind of fell flat on its face. I hope we don't see the same thing this time as well. Yeah, I don't think we will because I think the main story of that game was Peyton Manning going into the cold, and he is just mm-hmm. not a very good quarterback He's in the cold He's not good against all. Bill Belichick for yeah, some that, reason. that as well. Um, Brady plays in the cold every week. Mm-hmm. Rodgers plays it. every week. Lambeau Field is a tough place to play, but mm-hmm. it's Tom Brady. He can figure it out and get this, you know, get his offense on the right track. Just a matter of uh, if if Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski uh, can have big games because after that, I know they have Brandon LaFell and then Danny Amendola, and Tom Brady can create somebody uh, pretty well, much. Absolutely, he always if, does. If they want to find a, a defensive back and just put him at the wide receiver <laughs> slot this He'll make weekend, him be effective. He can make him an effective wide receiver, but I think that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers really have a, a better and stronger uh, receiving core with uh, Jordy Nelson, Randall, Randall Cobb, um, and even Eddie Lacy's a pretty big threat out of the backfield for them, too, to, to catch some passes. So I think... We'll save your pick for later. We're going to save that pick for later. You can guess. Um, But looking, you know, at a team that doesn't have the same kind of quarterbacks that, you know, we're talking about here, two of the best quarterbacks in the game, looking to a team that's been in some quarterback chaos, the Washington Redskins now deciding to bench RG3, you know, their prized quarterback from a few years ago, the franchise face for their team. Now instead, Colt McCoy is taking over the reins. He he definitely is. Colt McCoy, uh, the, the Washington Redskins, if you're trying to find a circus that's worse than a New York football circus, yeah, Washington's a nice little have, third, you third might one have out to there. go to Washington because you got this whole thing, and you always have the the, the, the nickname thing. Um, but R R G, 
RG3, you go back to the days when Mike Shanahan was the coach of the Washington Redskins, and RG3 got injured, and he comes back. Everyone says he was fine. Mike Shanahan was kind of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's fine or not. And he wasn't. He wasn't fine. He was not fine, and he's he has not been the same since. since I that believe he was, he was rushed back from the injury. And granted, knee injury for for a mobile quarterback, regardless of if he's rushed back or not, he's still not going to be the same. But I think if if they took a different approach with this with Robert Griffin the third, let him rest that yeah, entire let year. him rest the entire season. I know they were sort of in the midst of a playoff run there and and, and things of that nature, and lots of other things were blowing up in Washington, uh, the Redskins organization that is. Um, RG three. I guess his time is done in Washington. I don't. I don't think you can you go can back bend, to him. I don't think you can go back to him now. I, I really mean, don't. yeah. I just the thing is, you think about all they gave up to get him, and I mean, it's just so hard to fathom that he's you know done there. But that is the thing. I mean, I do think it's very difficult to obviously Colt McCoy so far this season has been very good when he's come in to fill in. He came in to fill in the game where they benched Kirk Cousins. He ended up winning that game for them. And then of course the Redskins with Colt McCoy beat Dallas, which was the huge upset that time. Tony Romo had the back problems that game. But, I mean, looking at those, I just – there was the whole issue, too, with Griffin and the locker room and his team, what was going on there. I agree with you. I don't know how you can go back to him there. I mean, I just don't see how it's possible. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's another very rough area. But And like you said, Washington invested so much in this guy. They gave up so much. And this is – they drafted him in 2012. This is only his third season. And it's been le- – it's been you know, he's played less than uh, 48 games because of the injuries. And you already give up on him so much. I know your season this year is is over. You know, at at three and eight, mm-hmm. they're 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 done, completely done. But they did lose by twenty to the Buccaneers two weeks ago. This is very true. And you know, one team that may have worse quarterback problems than the Washington Redskins is the New York Jets. <laughs> Gino, and here's my Jets report on that this week. It's fittingly ironic that the week the Jets embarrassed themselves and had another change at quarterback, their former one shown on a national stage. This week has been nothing short of chaotic for the Jets organization. On Monday, they lost 38-3 to the Bills after the fact that the Bills didn't really have a chance to practice because they were buried in over five feet of snow and the fact the game was moved to a neutral location in Detroit. Still, the Jets couldn't get out of their own way. On Tuesday, reports surfaced that said if Vic was healthy, Rex and the coaching staff wanted to go with him as the starter. On Wednesday, Rex announced the opposite. We made the decision to go with uh, Gino uh, as, as the quarterback. Just so we all are aware, you know, or understand that everybody's on board with this decision. Give Rex credit, though. Even if he did want Vic in, he didn't cause a scene. He towed the company line. However, the cracks are beginning to show. Many of the players on Wednesday said they were surprised to hear number seven would be back under center. Surprise isn't exactly what you want to hear from your team. With all the organizational cracks showing, I just don't think I can pick the Jets to win another game, and certainly not this one. Ryan Tannehill to Mike Wallace's duo, I just don't see the Jets stopping. I say Dolphins 31, Jets 13. However, I think the more interesting thing to watch as this season winds to a close is the -the off-the-field drama that's about to burst onto the scene. With the... I'm Kelly Coltis, WFUV Sports.
So, as you can see, Drew, I definitely think that the Jets have the worst quarterback problem right now. I mean, it's just been a mess right now coming out of Florham Park. Oh, it's it's just it's so bad. I mean, I I actually had a little bit of hope heading into Monday's game. Me you too. Know? Oh, I, absolutely. I was I was ready. They you know, moved it to Detroit. It to I was Detroit. like, oh, good. It's there's no Buffalo fans. Yeah, exactly. Well, there were a lot of Buffalo fans, which I was very very impressed by. That they 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 travel either, well. Yeah, and I guess they traveled through Canada or something <laughs> uh, to get there. It's the, the more direct route, but that's geography. This is football. Um, I, I, I just, I, like I said, I was so excited for that game. It was such a weird time, 7 o'clock, nothing to do. Uh, okay, let's put the Jets on. And frankly, I would have been better off if I if I watched, uh, I don't know, anything. Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> like Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, yeah, should put those on it instead. It was just like unbelievably bad, and I was... I mean, go back to the Steelers game, and I was just surprised at that oh, game. Oh, yeah, they, they shocked won that everyone. Game. That was a shocker, and I, I didn't really know what kind, what to think. So after that win, you get a neutral site game in Buffalo. Buffalo can't even practice for a couple multiple days because of the intense snow in Buffalo. And it looks like the Jets were traveling from, like, Mars to play that game because – they were awful. They had the chance awful. to practice all week. You know, they you know coming off a of bye week, they had two weeks to practice, and then yeah. it just no one looked ready to play. I mean, Michael Vick looked pretty awful, so I understand the move to pull him out of the game. Plus, he got banged up with his calf or whatever. I understand that, but then you know, the thing is with the Jets too is it can never just be you know they lose, they embarrass themselves. Story ends there. No, it has to continue on throughout the week because as I mentioned in my report, you know, then things surfaced and everyone was saying. Oh, you know, word is Vic's going to be the starting quarterback this week as long as he's not severely injured. He's going to be back out there. He gives her the best chance to win, et cetera, et cetera. Wednesday, Rex comes out and says, all right, Gino's the starting quarterback. Everyone here agrees with that, I guess. Yeah, and there have been reports coming out that, that Ryan and Idzik, they want different starting quarterbacks, and that it's, they're just now they're clashing heads. Well, the, the, Obviously, Rex Ryan is going to be gone after the season. I think he fully realizes that because you just can't have a team in New York have this – you know, to have such high expectations, you bring in all these big guys, you yeah. bring in the running backs, you bring in Decker, and just you're two and nine right now. Uh, it, it, it's a circus. It, it, it really, really is. is a circus. And I mean, the thing is, too, is I just don't know how at this point in time, granted, it's only his second year as GM, but I don't see how you can keep, how you can fire Rex and keep John Idzik at this point in time, because what he's done so far just hasn't panned out at all. I mean, granted, Eric Decker was a very nice addition. Chris Johnson hasn't done that much. His draft has been absolutely awful. I mean, Sheldon Richardson has been good, but, you know, D. Milner looks hurt. He never can stay on the field. Calvin Pryor got bent for Jaquan Jarrett. I mean, there's another first-round pick down the drain, too. And you look at some of the other guys. You know, he brought in Dimitri Patterson. That worked out well at cornerback. And the fact that they went into the season with no one at cornerback in Rex Ryan's defense when you know that's how your coach runs his defense— how do you do that? It's just, it's baffling. It really is just completely baffling at how how the GM, granted it's the second year, Rex Ryan has a mindset, a defensive mindset, and you don't necessarily get him the pieces. Another thing that just completely baffles me about, you know, sometimes things don't pan out when you draft uh, players out of college. That I totally agree with that. When you're the Jets, you need wide receivers. You draft wide receivers. Jalen Saunders. Oh, what happened to him? Shaq Evans. I forgot the Jets even picked I him. I did, too. Quincy Anua. Want to go that one there as and then well? And we keep going down the long list of draft pick. Yeah, like you said, Quin- Quincy. So they draft three wide receivers. Um, They're no longer New York football Jets. And I, I, like I said, I, I get the fact that you give up 
uh, you know, sometimes draft picks don't pan out, but really th- your three wide well, receiver picks, who's scouting wide receivers? I have Fire to him. say, Tara did a tremendous job here in her notes because she made a beautiful little list of rookie wide receivers in the NFL. Let's take a look at some of those this year. Well, Mike Evans was drafted seventh overall. He's got eight touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr. and his tremendous one-handed catch obviously has five touchdowns on the year, took 12th overall. Sammy Watkins, obviously, the Bills moved up to take him. He's been pretty solid. Kelvin Benjamin out of uh, FSU has been fantastic for the Panthers. Eight touchdowns. He has eight drops, but still eight touchdowns. I'll take that. You know, looking at some of the later rounds, Jarvis Landry went to the Dolphins. We had John Brown go to the Cardinals. He's been great there. Jordan Matthews mentioned him and Mark Sanchez. He's got six touchdowns on the year. Martavius Bryant in the fourth round went, you know, six touchdowns. And, you know, which of these guys do the Jets have in this great wide receivers class when you know that's one of their gaping holes? Who do the Jets have? Uh, Jason Morrow. He plays tight end. Who has a concussion and might not play this week. <laughs> well, at this point, that's a whole other issue. But it's back to the wide receivers and how the Jets don't seem to have it. You know, this is one of the greatest wide re- rookie wide receiving draft classes in recent history. I want to say the stat is there were 34 wide receivers drafted in this draft and 32 have a catch. Want to take a guess who the two that don't have a catch are or what team they might be on? Uh, the, well, the team they were on was the New York Jets, and I'm guessing the second or the third of the three is on another team now or yes. something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's – it's sad. It really is sad. I, I the greatest Who does who, the scouting here? I, I don't – I don't. I want to I, – I would not want to be him because <laughs> he really should not have a job. Uh, oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's really sad. But you know what? If you don't have anyone who can throw them the ball, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um you know, you look at Eric Decker, maybe he should have caught that pass in Buffalo. That was through his outstretched arms. Mm-hmm. If he catches it, it's it's 38-10. So, I, I mean, mean, what's, yeah, what's, the, what's the difference at that point? Because you don't have anything else. Obviously, at this point in time, I honestly think the Jets should just lose out and just try to draft a quarterback. Not named Jameis Winston, but try to draft a quarterback here coming out of this draft because they need something. And whether or not he's the long-term answer, I, still, I just don't think their quarterback next year is on this roster. I don't know how you can go into next season – and be confident and say, oh, yeah, Geno Smith's our guy again. Let's bring in some 38-year-old backup. We'll stick behind him, and he'll play just fine. I don't see how the Jets can do that. No, I don't know. I don't think it's possible. I mean, at this point in the season, Geno Smith, he seems to be healthy. Michael Vick doesn't necessarily seem to be healthy. But the guy I want to see is Matt Sims. Put him in. <laughs> Please put him in. At least let him be on the active roster on game know, day. Yeah, that's a whole which, other story. Uh, which, why don't you put three quarterbacks on your active roster, especially with Vic being injured? But let's not go there. Oh, goodness. Like I mentioned, I don't think their quarterback of the future is on this roster. People are talking about potential trades. I've heard Johnny Manziel, RG3 tossed around. I don't know if I'm exactly excited by either of those prospects. I mean, you look towards the draft, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, guys coming out of college. I think the quarterback from MSU is up there, too. But, I mean, I, I honestly think they should just try, you know, try someone new at this point in time because I don't I don't want, I don't don't want, think RG3 is going to be great here in New York. I don't think that Johnny Manziel will do well here in New York. He gets in problems in Cleveland. I don't even want to know what he'll do in New York City. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Same He's thing getting, for Jameis Winston. Getting into off-the-field problems in Cleveland, and it hasn't stopped by any stretch of the imagination. We're not going to mention what happened this week, but, again, if he was in New York with all the other... I don't know resources to do things other than football uh, and play football. It, it, he's not the answer, unfortunately, and the Jets would just be—it would be even more of a circus. Oh uh, Because Michael Vick is still under contract next year, he'll be on the. I team. think they should bring he him might back. Might be on the team. 
Um, I do. I think they should bring him back either as a backup role or to challenge again. And even if he starts and they have a rookie quarterback and they could sit him down behind him for a little bit, I think that's the way to go. And I think that Geno's just got to be done here. Yeah, I I think his, his, he's – I mean, it's New York. If there were a lot tougher out here. But you look at it objectively, and he has just been – Bad. Brutal. It's been Absolutely awful. brutal. The first game of the year, I was like, oh my God, Geno Smith. And then I realized, oh boy, it's the, <laughs> it's Oakland, the Oakland Raiders. Raiders. And like, oh. Ooh, off a cliff after that. Yep, off a cliff for sure, as they've. Oh, I can't even say it. They've won one out of the ten, last 10 games. It's, yeah. Well, oh, you know, I have to say, another team in New York that hasn't been doing as well, they just lost to Dallas last Sunday night, is the New York Giants. <laughs> Turning the page, seeing what's going on there. Heartbreaking loss for the Giants. Let's hear what Christian O'Hara had to say. The New York football Giants just can't seem to figure out how to win. After being up by four points on the Dallas Cowboys with three minutes left in the game, the defense allowed Tony Romo and company to stroll down the field and score the game-winning touchdown that propelled Dallas to a 31-28 victory at the Meadowlands. Des Bryant scored the game winner and celebrated as if the team had won the NFC Championship game. However, they merely defeated a now 3-8 football team whose next game is on the road against Jacksonville. The Jaguars are led by rookie quarterback Blake Bortles and running back Denard Robinson. While the team is 1-10 on the season and Bortles does lead the league in interceptions with 15, the youngest team in the National Football League is playing out their growing pains in hope of a bright future. Since becoming the starter, Denard Robinson has flourished in the role. Here's what Coach Coughlin had to say about Robinson. They also have Denard Robinson, who they've made their starter now. He's averaging 128 yards a game since he was put in the game as a starter. He's very, very fast. You know him as a quarterback. Uh, he can throw the option pass, which uh, you should all remember and know. The Giants will need to put pressure on Bortles early and often, something the defensive line has struggled with all season. Bortles does have a tendency to turn the ball over, and the Giants' secondary will need to take advantage of it. Field position will be key for the New York offense against a struggling football team. Creating turnovers and putting points on the board early, especially on the road, will help the Giants cause tremendously. I think Big Blue will finally be able to do all these things against perhaps the worst team in the league. I think the defense will create havoc for Bortles, and I like Eli and the offense to find a nice rhythm on Sunday. I'm picking the Giants in this one, 31-17. With the Giants report, I'm Christian O'Hara, WFUV Sports. And, you know, Christian brings up some good points there in his Giants report. Obviously, the big story coming out besides the loss. We'll get to the loss in a second, but let's give its due here. Odell Beckham with the tremendous catch. Obviously, the three fingers catch down the sidelines. I've never seen anything like that in my lifetime. I I have not either. I mean, granted, we're, you know... 21 and 19 yeah, years 19 old here. And 21 respectively. The all time for me, other than David Tyree, so that's also the one that Giants I can think catch of. again. We're uh, again thinking we're from New York, so that's another thing. But the we're a little t- biased. But both games were on the national stage. You know, Super Bowl obviously in Tyree, and then the game on Sunday night. But that was incredible, and something that uh, just is even more incredible to me is that. Odell Beckham actually practices that. I know. He practiced that, and he was mad that he, you know, he, he couldn't make it better or, like, he wants to have opportunities to do, make an even better catch. I'm like, 
Dude. This guy is crazy. <laughs> wow. I mean, the thing is, you'd like to have that competitive drive. Though. I mean, I think if the Giants had a team of Odell Beckhams, they'd be a lot better than their 3-8 and eight record. So I think that that is a benefit for them to have someone who's a little over-competitive. So good for Odell Beckham in that regard. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, another rookie wide receiver. Oh, well, uh, let's not uh, go there. Odell, uh, I'm sorry, but the, the catch, it was just incredible. It was incredible. I love all the memes across social oh, media. Oh, fantastic. With doing things, uh, especially in the New York Mets and getting home runs robbed. But anyway, um, it, 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 I hate to say it, but. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it it really doesn't, doesn't. As great as it was, it doesn't mean anything because they fell 31 to 28. I mean, how do you. The Giants had the lead there with just a few minutes remaining in the game, and you just let the Cowboys march down the field on you at home and score the winning drive. Yeah, it was it was pretty methodical. It was it was not something that you want to look back at the end of the season and look at the tape because you're not going to be happy. Obviously, you did lose the game 31-28, but you were also up by 11 at halftime, 21-10. Yeah, exactly. So it's... Eli Manning didn't throw five interceptions. He he didn't he didn't turn the ball over seven times. Uh, they they had a very good chance. He had three touchdowns on the day. Obviously the one to Beckham, which was just incredible. Exactly. But um, you look at the stats in this game, and you you think the uh, the New York Giants won the football game. But like you said, coming down the stretch, Cowboys they uh, they lasted a sixty minute game, and uh, they got it done on the last drive of the game. And, um, you know, people who left the Meadowlands that night were just really shocked. Shocked that the Giants played that well to get there. Exactly. To put themselves in a position where they should have won. And then probably even more shocked that the Cowboys, um, I guess you could say stole the game, but uh, they kind of earned it. They did. I mean, they played well. They controlled the game to a degree. I mean, like you mentioned, the Giants are... Three and eight on the year. I mean, they they you know, the, fa- the sad part is too. The Giants even space out their wins. They won three weeks in a row and they haven't won since. I mean, they won week three, four, and five. Haven't won since. They've played close. Obviously, mentioned the San Francisco game. They played close to them in. But just I just think this is just a bad team overall. Their defense hasn't been that great. I mean, opponents they're thirty first in the league, giving up the most rushing, second most rushing yards to their opponents. Twenty fourth in passing yards. I mean, they just. They don't have a consistent run game with Rashad Jennings being out in the injuries. Andre Williams didn't really step up that great in his absence. And, I mean, they just don't seem to have the right pieces right now. And I feel bad they're wasting a year of, you know, Eli Manning's prime. But I think right now they're like the Jets. They need to rebuild, see what they have for next year, and then go forward. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult time, a terrible time to be a New York football Ugh. fan, and really a New York sports fan in general. But that's that's for a whole other conversation. We could talk about that for a long time. Uh, but the... The New York Giants, like you said, three wins, three in a row. Those three teams are under 500, so not even quality wins. Granted, every other team they've played has had a winning record, so a bit of a rough schedule. But when you look at the league, there's usually half the league is winning, exactly. half the, the league, league is, is losing. losing. And I mean, they're playing some easy games coming up. You know, at Jacksonville, at Tennessee, home versus the Redskins, then at St. Louis, then of course they end the year with Philly coming to the Meadowlands. So I mean, that's obviously the winning. That's the toughest game they have left. So I mean, maybe. They sneak out. We'll get to our picks for their game against Jacksonville in just a little bit. But I mean, I see them maybe splitting this. Maybe I mean I don't see. I don't think the desire is there to win for these Giants, except for Odell Beckham. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see it as either. I mean, Eli Manning obviously wants to win. He he 
Yeah, exactly. He is a winner, I mean, like like it or not. Two he's Super won Bowls. two Super Bowls. People think he's an average quarterback. Hey, sometimes average gets it done. This year, not it's at not. all. Um, this so has actually been statistically one of his better years, except for that five interception ex- implosion. Like he's been relatively solid all year. Yeah, but they just they like you said they don't have anything else. They no, really exactly. don't have anything else. Something that no one's really talking about, and I didn't think would be a big deal, but maybe losing Hakeem Nix really is, is, a bigger is, deal. is bigger deal than people think. Well, also, too, I mean, Victor Cruz being out, I mean, the fact is that you're asking Odell Beckham, and he's done tremendously, but he was supposed to be, you know, this number two guy on this team, you know, playing the part, you know, second fiddle to Victor Cruz. He's become the number one, and then because he had to move up, the guys behind him had to move up, and there's just, that's been a mess. I mean, the one interception was off of, what is it, Preston Parker's hands last week? Like, I mean, he was just... These other guys haven't stepped up like Beckham has, and that's just left a gaping hole on offense. Yeah, and the offensive line has been oh. been average. Probably, actually, no, it's been below average. I think it's been below it's been average. Been below average. Manning's running for his life, and that's something you don't want to see because it's not very graceful. Um, like you said, the running game is <laughs> just not like the, his brother. Not exactly the yeah, most fleet of no, quarterbacks. The most, they're most, not the most agile out there, but. Uh, the running game, as a result, has not been as good. You know, no, exactly. I mean, Andre they Williams don't have a whole too. lot there either. I mean, I feel bad for him. You know, fourth round draft pick out of BC. You know, rookie running back, and he once again gets thrust into the starting role because injuries, and it's like he wasn't able to step up to the degree they needed him to. And then all the pressure, the Giants' offense becomes one dimensional, and then it gets scary, and then you don't want to deal with that. Yeah, like you said, one dimensional offense. It, it's it, Eli Manning, like we just said, he's he's slightly above average quarterback. I'll give him that, mm. but. When you make any quarterback one-dimensional, unless your name oh, is yeah. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, uh, Tom or, Aaron Brady or maybe Drew Brees also, you're, you, you're not going to be successful. No. This is professional football. This is the National Football it's League. The sport. defenses, yeah, they, they know that you're going to be throwing the ball. <laughs> and trust me, they'll get to you. They'll, they'll knock you down. And you'll get intercepted multiple times in a game, and you'll probably lose. Actually, in most cases, you will lose. Well, here to give us some more about some quarterbacks and other players around the league who are going to make some big scoring impacts, we have Aniello in for Fantasy. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. All right, Aniello, we're looking here for some fantasy genius. There's no bright spots here in the New York football scene. We need some bright spots around the league. What have you got for us today? Well, first off, uh, I'm going to try and pick a better running back this week than uh, Drew did last week with Ooh. Jonas Gray. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's a he sad no week. Carries, right? it's, it's, he got no carries. No <laughs> points. It was no points. It was bad. Uh, I'm officially out in one of my leagues. It was a rough year there. <laughs> the other league, I need to win both games and then hope for a four-way tie and then the tiebreaker. <laughs> so we're in rough shape. I actually did a a, a, uh, a one-week fantasy, sort of like a, I don't know, like a pick em fantasy mm-hmm. this week. And um, how'd that go? Yeah, it didn't go very well. I had Tony <laughs> Romo, so uh, all right, we're gonna turn we're, we're gonna keep it with on yellow. All right, so the running back that uh, you're gonna look forward to uh, this weekend is gonna be Isaiah Crowley, Crowell from the uh, the Browns. Mm. He has 12 attempts for 88 yards and two D, two TDs against Atlanta last week. Um, he also has seven touchdowns on only 90 carries this year. So ever since he's taken over for Ben Tate there, he's really coming to his own. He he likes to find the end zone, which is good for fantasy owners. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy on this team, Josh Gordon. If you haven't picked him up yet, I'm pretty sure you should. 
I mean, he he's not available in that many leagues. People have kept him. People are picking him up. Like me, I have picked him off of free agency, and I'm very happy so far. He had eight receptions for 120 yards. So, and I'm only looking for more points to come out of him. You know, and I'm just really looking at this this Browns Bills game right here because I also have Fred Jackson. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, he interesting. Because the Browns' run defense is allowing the fourth most yards in the NFL. Uh, Last week, he had 32 yards on 10 attempts against the Jets. He did have that touchdown. He's coming back from uh, no carries the week before against Miami. But I can see him coming out against this Browns' defense and overpowering them and maybe finding the end zone. So that's something to look forward to right there. All right, it looks interesting there looking at that game, too. I mean, obviously not going to take the quarterbacks that much in that game considering we're having all the running backs do all the work there and occasionally a bomb to Josh Gordon. I like that so far. How about your quarterbacks? Who are you looking forward to this week? Well, you just talked about him, and uh, I'm going to have to go with Eli Manning. Hmm. Um, he's playing Jacksonville. He had a he had a pretty good game against uh, against the Cowboys at home. But, you know, he, he dominated. I would say he did really well that game against the Cowboys. The turning point of that game, as you said, is when he missed Preston Parker high. I said that was on Eli Manning. That throw was a little high, and you had a wide-open receiver over the middle. Um, and that and it was just picked off in the red zone. So, I mean, for me, that was the turning point, or else Eli Manning would have done so well for fantasy, mm-hmm. point, for fantasy owners. And uh, so looking forward to Jacksonville, I can only see him going up from there. And on yellow, just a, a question quarterback related to my team. Now, oh my boy. team's out of the playoffs, so this this really is not inconsequential, but I, I will play out the league to keep up the respect, and that way the playoffs are not, I don't know, someone gets an easy win against me or whatever uh, people might think. I've got Tom Brady, obviously, playing at Green Bay uh-huh. in probably the marquee game of the best game of the weekend or the game that people are looking forward to the most. And then I've got Phillip Rivers who's at Baltimore. He's got to come across the country. Right now, as I have it, I have Brady in the lineup. But I'm not sure, really. What uh, <laughs> what, what would you recommend? Would you say Rivers or Brady? See, I, on the How other side. bet against Tom Brady on this yeah. one? On the other side of that, I have Aaron Rodgers, and he's. I'm very, I'm very uh, happy and with him just staying there. I'm not questioning anything <laughs> against uh, New England, <laughs> even though New England has probably the best defense. But um, I would have to go with Tom Brady. It's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be um, – I, I just see great things coming out of this game. Hopefully it's a blowout for football fans. I would love to see that. But, you know, I, I you have you can't you can't bet against Tom Brady. You can never uh, can. Well, hopefully he can help me uh, make up my already 39-point deficit. Oh, jeez. Uh, you know what? All right, Brady will say it. Uh, if, if I lose this week and fall to 5-8, and eight, then include the we season. We know who to blame. We're going after Agnello DeVita. All right. Now, also, too, looking at some of the, you know, we mentioned some of those great rookie rookie wideouts. You know, looking at guys like Mike, Mike Evans faces Cincy this week. We have Kelvin Benjamin at Minnesota this week. And then Sammy Watkins uh, versus Cleveland. Which one of those three is going to have the biggest week? Well, for me... I have uh, well, I this might be a little biased because I have Kelvin Benjamin on my team. Ah, so obviously you hope he has the biggest week. Yeah, and I also have that as a uh, an upset picking coming later up, but we'll not get to that okay. yet. Um, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, ever since breaking into this league, he's been um, Cam Newton's. He's the guy he always looks to. 
Um, I can just see him. Let's see. Uh, the last game against Atlanta, nine catches, 109 yards, one t- one touchdown. So he he's really like he's broken into the NFL as one of the main targets for Cam Newton, and I can only see that carrying on as they face the Vikings. Good to see. All right, looking at some of the other leagues, you know, a lot of the big-name guys, bigger running backs already played this week, DeMarco Murray, LaShawn McCoy, guys that, you know, people really look to. Do you have anybody else, maybe a sleeper, one of the big-name, maybe like a bigger-name guy, doesn't have to be the guy you can pick up on waivers, but who do you think is going to have the biggest game on Sunday considering some of our bigger players have already played? Well, in the uh, – in the well, – you mean uh, to pick somebody like up from it? Free no, agents, not even like or? that. But just even like, who do you think is going to be the top performer this weekend for running backs? Considering you know we've already seen Murray and McCoy play, and I know those are probably like one, two in fantasy leagues. Well, I mean, if you want me to go back to Isaiah Crowell, all right, we're just going to go mean, right. He's, it. he's ever since ever since he's he's been brought into the number one on the on the depth chart ever ever since they got rid of Ben Tate. I mean, he's been the guy where the Browns have just gone to him as their number one so and he's been able to find the end zone a lot so I can only see them keep on going to him because I don't know how much Brian Hoyer is gonna is gonna throw the ball but if he does throw the ball hopefully it's to Josh Gordon well now it's time to move on we'll see what Aniello has to say about our picks segment let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions Alrighty, so starting here, we mentioned it before, Giants at the Jaguars. We already got in Christian's pick in his Giants report. Drew, we'll start with you. Giants at the Jags, who you taking? Well, the Giants are bad. Fact. The Jaguars are a lot worse. The Giants can actually win a game on the road. I got the New York Giants. And Ellie, you sticking with New York? You going with Jacksonville? No, I'm sticking with New York. All right, in the back, Tara's been our producer engineer by herself all day today. Tara, who you got? I got to go with Giants, too. I can't take the Jaguars. Oh, man. I really, you know what? Team Blake Bortles. We're taking him. At home, Jacksonville defeats the Giants. Let's go. Giants going to be the same. Eh, not the same record as the Jets, almost. So, you know, 3-9 now on the season for the Giants. Drew Casey giving me some weird looks right now. But we'll see. We'll see how that one plays out. Speaking about the other New York football team, I already got my pick in in my report. But, Drew, what do you say? Miami at the Jets, Monday Night Football. I feel really bad for Monday Night Football because they have to put the New York Jets on. Essentially, I don't know why they're in prime time again. I, I don't mean, know why. This week was unplanned and it wasn't Monday Night Football. But the Jets, I, who can possibly pick the New York Jets? It's the Miami Dolphins. They're going to win on the road. It's probably by a lot, but the Dolphins win. Any yellow, any hope for Geno Smith? No, not at all. We got Ryan Tannehill all the way, Dolphins. Sarah, what about you? Dolphins. And I'm going, obviously, like I said, to your Dolphins, betting against all the New York teams here on NFL Friday. So now moving away from the New York football team, we're looking at Chargers at the Ravens. Really interesting game because right now, the season ended today, the Chargers hold yeah, the tiebreaker over Baltimore. Drew, who you got, San Diego or Baltimore? This is a very interesting game, and I brought this up earlier in the show that the whole traveling across the country thing, these teams are even. Phillip Rivers has been good when he's, you know, he's been up and down. Good, bad, ugly, all in between. But with all that said, Justin Forsett has really been very, very good for this Baltimore Ravens team. The Ravens are home. Go Baltimore. Aniello, who you got here? Yeah, coming off a big win on Monday against the Saints. I'm, gonna, I'm looking for Baltimore to just roll right through. Tara, that short week going to affect Joe Flacco and company at all? I don't think so. I'm going to take Baltimore at home, especially coming off of that big win against the Saints. 
All right, I think we're going across the board here. I'm taking Baltimore as well, thinking they're going to ride that momentum like Aniello and Tara mentioned. And then getting into Aniello's favorite game from our fantasy segment, the Browns at the Bills. Drew, who you got? We're going Browns-Bills right Browns, now? Bills right Browns, now. Bills Save right the best now. For last. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Just don't want to mess anything up. The Bills are home. They looked very good on Monday night uh, versus the New York Jets. Boyer for the Browns threw three interceptions last week against the Falcons. Yikes. Look out. Is Johnny Manziel in the future of the Browns? If Boyer does it again, I hope not. Oh, boy. But all that said, go Buffalo. Aniello, we're taking deal with the Bills here. Fred Jackson, you're going to go with your, your boy Isaiah? It's not that hard to play that well against the Jets. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and go for Isaiah and pick the Browns over the Bills on this all right, finally getting some uh, decisive decision-making around here. Tara in the back, who are you going with? Well, I picked the Bills to lose both times against the Jets. Um, <laughs> really bad decisions on my part, but I'm picking against the Bills again. I'm going with the Browns. All Drew, I'm going with you. I say Buffalo wins at home. Back-to-back -back wins for the people in that town, you know, going through a lot, still digging out from all the snow and the flooding. I say Buffalo as well. And as I mentioned, our final game we're picking this week, the premier game of the week, the Patriots at the Packers. Drew Rogers, Brady, who you got? Brady. Going with Brady. Everybody game time Brady? decision, game time decision. This is this is not something that I necessarily do, picking a road team against a top opponent, a top team at home. Got a feeling, though, and uh, it won't be Jonas Gray. It'll be LeGarrette Blunt this week for the New England Patriots. All right, we're going to see if Drew redeems himself this week. Aniello, right now Green Bay the favorite. Who do you pick? Yeah, on the other side of that, I have to stick with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming through on this one at Lambeau Field. Tara, who do you got? Green Bay, New England? A week ago, I would have went with the Packers, but just watching the Patriots again on Sunday, it's so hard to pick against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, too. Watch. He probably puts Jonas Gray back in this weekend. Gray probably has another Just to throw off Drew. Because that's just the way it goes for the Patriots, so I got to go Patriots. Oh, this game is so tough. Oh, so tough. But I will have to say, a couple weeks ago, I hosted the show with Matt Morrow, and we had a little Aaron Rodgers love fest, and I'm going to stick with that. Aaron Rodgers wins at home against Tom Brady, takes him down. All right, we got our picks in for this week. We'll see how many of us were right. But first, before we go, upset. Drew, who you got? In a town of 2,899, born in 1991, number eight for the LSU Tigers, and now the Tennessee Titans quarterback, Zach Mettenberger, the Tennessee Titans beat the Houston Texans in Houston. It's an upset technically. It's 2-9 versus 5-16. No, Houston's a seven-point favorite. That's a, we're going upset. with the Tennessee Titans and Zach Mettenberger. Congratulations to Watkinsville, Georgia. You've got an NFL quarterback now. We're going into his <laughs> fifth start. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if you can top that one. <laughs> I mean, just looking at another game that is technically a uh, uh, an upset here that got the uh, the Panthers over the Vikings. This might be a little biased because I had Greg Olson and Kevin Benjamin, but I'm a fan of Cam Newton and I really want to see him turn it around here. Yeah, the NFC South still technically up for grabs. Kind of a messy division we really didn't get into too much. Tara, who's your upset for the week? I'm so tempted to go with the Redskins over the play over the court. Wow. I picked I pick the upset over Dallas. I really like Colt McCoy, but I'm going to go with Drew here. Uh, Zach Mettenberger said he went and did a selfie rehab. Oh, boy. Of course, not the last time he played the Texans, but I, I'm going to take the Titans over the Texans. 
All right, all comes down to me now for my upset pick. I think I'm going to go with a home team here. I'm going to go with, I already technically did have an upset. I already picked Jacksonville over the Giants. But another upset, sticking in the same state. I'm going the Buccaneers over the Bengals at home. Pat Murray kicks the game, winning field goal, always going to show up. Florida Pride here, so I think that's all our upsets here. I like Drew's little uh, answer there for Zach Mettenberg. You really planned that one out, didn't you? I really, I really had to look and and, and get the the information down. It, it, it was. It was fun doing that. It was really fun. I hope Tennessee can get the win. I hope so, too, for your sake and for everyone here on NFL Friday. Once again, a happy Thanksgiving to everyone. So for Taris Lajeski, doing great behind the board. Producer, fantastic notes, engineering as well. Aniello here joining us for the first time. Fantasy segment. Drew Casey, my co-host. I'm Kelly Coltis. And, you know, we already had some great football on Thursday, but enjoy your football on Sunday. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.